Hi folks, you're about to hear a double header, two episodes in one. First half is going to be the recording or the actual replica of the Soul of Enterprise episode I did with Ron Baker and Ed Kless on Friday, August the 11th, and we did that live. And if you subscribe to the Soul of Enterprise, you probably already heard that. The second half of this episode is the bonus episode. That's not public. It's part of the Patreon channel for the paid members of the Soul of Enterprise. And we edited that a little bit uh, to fit it under two hours. And it's going to be both episodes sort of spliced together. So contextually, you can actually follow the conversation all along. And the second half of this is the business innovation exercise, business model innovation exercise. And we talked about the avocado uh, exercise. We talked about a blender exercise. You, you Contextually, you'll understand once you get to the second half of this. And at the end of the day, uh, in both podcasts, what we're essentially are promoting is a conference we're going to have in Miami end of October called Creative Business Models for Accountants. So the entire conversation, it's, uh, it's at the backdrop of this event. We're all going to get together and do some innovation to transform our business models for the future together. Enjoy. Welcome to the Soul of Enterprise, Business and the Knowledge Economy, sponsored by Sage, building experiences that connect, remove friction, and deliver insights. I'm Ron Baker, along with my good friend and Veris Sage Institute colleague, Ed Class. On today's show, folks, we're going to be talking about business models of the future knowledge worker with Hector Garcia. Hey, Ed, how's it going? It's going good, Ron. This, is, I, I'm, I, this show is very organic. That's what I'm saying. We're going to call this, or, this is our organic show. Yeah, and I and I can't. I've lost track on how many times Hector's been on with us, but uh, as if he needs an introduction. I mean, the guy's got over what a hundred million YouTube views or something. But Hector is an accountant, CPA, consultant, business advisor, YouTuber, and father of four. He's CEO of QuickBook, Quick Bookkeeping, and has ten plus years of experience working with small business owners with all aspects of their finance, such as income tax, accounting systems, tech technology and business operations. Hector, welcome back to the soul of enterprise. Hey guys, this is so exciting. Glad to be back. I don't, I don't know why you would have me back, but uh, we'll see. Maybe we'll uh, no, this will, I'm, I'm, I'm really looking forward to this. I, before we dive into it, I know the topic you want to talk about today is business models, but I just want to, because we've been talking so much about AI and chat GBT and all of this stuff. And I just, you know, I just read, literally just read before we went live an article in The Economist talking about how AI is not diffusing as rapidly as people think. And they put this in incredible historical context. And maybe we can talk about this later at some point. But um, the point being that, you know, <laughs> it, you know, the question, will accountants be displaced by this or certain occupations that are at risk of being displaced? And I guess the way I'm thinking about it these days is, well, yeah, those who don't use it might be at risk of displacement. But tell us your take. Why are you optimistic about the future of knowledge work? Yeah, absolutely. So first of all, for some context, I've been obsessed with ChatGPT, OpenAI, and I've also been doing tons of experimentation to try to figure out how does this matter to me, the, the practitioner, the small business consultant, the accountant. And I've been experimenting with you know, working with programmers saying, hey, can I get my GL data, my accounting data to interact with ChatGPT and then evaluating the quality of that interaction, you know, whether ChatGPT is doing an analysis or in 
interpolating or in, in, interpreting or giving me some tips or what to look at, what not to look at, how to think about the data. So we've been experimenting with that. And like everything, this is not perfect at all. And in many ways, I would say that I would much prefer a recent graduate uh, a human being giving me their very wrong and experienced answer versus the half hallucinated, half baked ChatGPT answer. However, we're just getting started. I mean, we, we, we're we're putting this this system to the test. We're we're feeding it data. We are we are training it, and I have no doubt. I have no doubt that uh, artificial intelligence would be will become the backdrop of the technologies that we use, uh, just like nail technology. Like if you actually go back and look at the technology of nails, we're talking about the nails that you nail on the wall. Nails have advanced in technology. For the keen eye, for most people, and the nail, what a nail looks like today versus what a nail looked like 100 years ago is the same nail, but they've been perfecting the width, the little ridges, the, the pointiness, right? Like how, how hard the head is so you don't break it. So these little, tiny little advances sort of happened behind the scenes, you know, the researchers, both the researchers and the commercializers, because like the AI world is sort of in between the research, just people just testing, 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 publishing papers. And then the folks trying to figure out how do we monetize this thing? Like how do we, how do we leverage it? How do we make our current software better? How do we make our practices better? And I'm optimistic because uh, us as humans, we always look to optimize the technologies to make it easier for us to do the stuff that used to take us longer before. So we can either use that extra time for leisure or to add value back into our endeavors. So I'm very optimistic because I don't think AI or technology or software will displace accountants. It, it, would, it would only add to them. However, a big caveat, if you take a snapshot of what the profession was up to December 2022, this is before the explosion of ChatGPT. And ChatGPT is two phenomenons. Uh, one is the phenomenon of the actual technology that, that, you, that you see. So the manifestation of the technology in terms of what it does. And secondly is, which I think has the most effect on me, how, how it has opened our minds, has opened our, our thought process, has opened our creativity in terms of imagining the possibilities of things that we can do. Prior to ChatGPT coming out and being what it is, it never even occurred to me that like part of my function now as an accountant, as a leader of this profession, is to experiment with these technologies to figure out where we're going. You know, I always thought, hey, you know, I'm, I'm really well known for what I do. I could do it really well. I could probably make a living for the next 20 years without changing anything. But I believe that if, if, if I am at the forefront of understanding how these things work and I propose how these things could work and I've, I'm, I'm part of the movement as, as a leader in this profession, I think I can help shape it. I, I absolutely think I can help shape it. So I'm optimistic because... I believe that AI in accounting would be like a hammer for a contractor. The hammer didn't replace a contractor, it only added to it. So that's how I feel about that. So you also say it's time for self-disruption. And you know, I'm I'm thinking of Clayton Christensen here, and history records a heck of a lot more self-destruction than self-disruption. It's very hard for an existing legacy business to disrupt itself. So what do you mean by it's time for self-disruption? Look, when, when I went to college, for some odd reason, I took most of my electives in religious studies. And one of my, one of my favorite religious uh, story, study or one of the, my favorite religions was Hinduism. 
And at the core of Hinduism, there, there's tons of gods in Hinduism. I'm not an expert in Hinduism, and I, I'm open to being corrected in any specific mistakes. But at the core of Hinduism, there is there are tons of gods, but there's three main really important gods, which is the Trimuri. These three gods are three separate gods, are gods and, and goddesses, but they all become one, sort of like the Christian version of the Holy, Holy, the Holy Trinity. And these three gods have, have three tasks at hand. One is the god of creation, the other one is god of preservation, and the other one is the goddess of destruction. And in the, in the Hinduism thought, is all life cycles go through these continuous movements, right? Creation, preservation, and destruction. And it's essential for perpetual life. This is beyond us. Remember, Hindus believe in nirvana and, and, and just sort of evolving your current life form. But it, for the, from the perspective of eternal life cycles, you need to have creation, preservation, and destruction. And I, and I draw this analogy, and I didn't really realize, I didn't connect with this stuff that I used to study, be fascinated with years ago, when I was watching my, my six-year-old uh, use uh, one of those magnet doodles, this is like toy from the 70s where you draw and it's sort of magnetic, but there, are, there isn't a way to like delete or erase specific areas. A magnet doodle is you're drawing and if you're fed up with it, you swipe it and the whole thing slates clean. And I'm watching my son like trying to draw something. I forget what he was trying to draw, but he just, it wasn't coming out right. He kept, he kept tweaking and tweaking and tweaking it. And he went through, you know, six or seven clean slates until he was able to sort of uh, build the work of art that he was imagining. And, and, I, and I draw that analogy because I think that the accounting profession right now, and I'll probably say multiple professions too. I don't want to speak about law and maybe possibly real estate and architects and engineers, but I think that specifically the accounting profession, we're in this stage of preservation and we are trying to elongate the, the, the preservation way too long. We're just being way too comfortable. And we're forgetting that, look, right now, what we need is we need a goddess of destruction to wipe it clean and create something brand new if we want the eternal perpetual life of our profession. And by profession, I don't mean the accountant that, that we think about today. I mean, what I mean is the financial guru, the financial money sage, that entrepreneurs need by their side so they can focus on creating value for the world while we keep track and keep dibs of, you know, sort of the, the economic matters of it all. That's what the accountant has been forever and the accountant should be forever. And this is a human to human thing. The computers, the AI will compute and we will use that and leverage that. But you need that other human being, that other partner to say, hey, I think this is how we should manage these resources. I think this is how we spend this, how we should uh, keep, protect, et cetera, et cetera. But the profession itself, as we know it, I believe requires a destruction or self-disruption, as you want to call it. And I, I don't make a distinction between destruction and self-disruption. The only possible dis distinction I can think of is Destruction will come from outside forces, right? Where we won't even know what kills us because it doesn't look like us. It could be Amazon or it could be a company that we don't even know it exists. In 10 years, we'll be like an Amazon-style company that could completely come in and, and change the name of the game, change customer perceptions, and we won't even be able to catch up. That could be destruction. But self-disruption is let's shape it together. Let's, let, let's, let's, let's destroy it and rebuild it together. You see that going on out there enough? I mean, is are there enough laboratories 
that are willing to change the legacy model of running a firm? I don't think there's enough. I, I think the the challenge. I think we are cursed with success at the moment. We we are we're living the curse of success. I mean, you've seen tons of reports in the last 10, 15 years where they talk about the most profitable professions, right? The professions with the most margin, with the most profit, and accounting is at the top. And you see all these software companies trying to eat our lunch, for lack of a better term, trying to you know, tap a little bit into it. And for whatever reason, we're still sort of up there in the, in the profitability sort of ranking, and we're, we're cursed with that success. At the same token as, look, as an accountant dealing with small business, a lot of small business owners are making mistakes, but because they have cash in the bank, I call it the curse of cash flow, right? Because they have the money in the bank, so they don't have that, that, uh, that fork in the road per se that's causing them to make a change. And then the, the problem accumulates and accumulates. And I think we're in that particular problem right now. We have the curse of success. It makes zero immediate sense and zero short-term sense to destroy it because it's too much of a good thing. Right. No burning platform, as they say. Well, Hector, we've only got a minute left, so uh, I'm going to go ahead and, and go into our break so Ed can spend a little bit more time with you. But folks, I'd like to remind you, if you want to contact Ed or me, send us an email to asktsoe at verisage.com. Do check out our Patreon channel where you can become a member and get bonus episodes. And that you can find at patreon.com slash TSOE. And that channel is sponsored by 90 Minds. Find a mind at 90 Minds. Check them out at 90minds.com. And now a word from our sponsors. And today on the Soul of Enterprise, we are once again speaking with Hector Garcia. H Hector, just based on that conversation that you just had with Ron, it is clear that you have been giving the concepts of, of AI, but more importantly, business models, some very deep thought. Um, where, where has this led you? What, 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 are you? what are you thinking about now? What's, what's, what's going to come from this? Well, first of all, the core inspiration has come from both of you guys, uh, for, for the most part. Uh, Ron's Baker, Ron Baker's book, Time's Up, uh, it was one that resonated with me quite a bit. Uh, my firm was going in way too many directions, and I wanted to simplify my offering and go to a subscription business model, which is already in, uh, in uh, it well in transition mode, and we could discuss that maybe a little bit later on. But uh, sort of tangential to this, I, I always wanted to um, get Ron and Chris Doe, who's a YouTuber, you know, very famous for being a creative person, a creative person teaching creative people business concepts. And he's a fan of Blair Enns uh, as well. He follows Jonathan Stark. I mean, like sort of in the same circles of you know, transforming the business to a value-focused, value-based business. And I it sort of fantasize of, hey, can, you know, what if I get Ron and Chris to like, talk to each other. And we have this sort of like the, the, the accountant, hyperlogical, hyper-reasonable uh, business model person with like the super creative person, you know, what can come off this? And, and I finally connected them to the, did a YouTube video and that YouTube video is super sort of overperforming my expectations of watching like all, all these people listen to Ron for the first time. I thought it was very satisfying. So then I said, hey, what if we get them together in a conference, have them come to Miami where I am, and then we'll figure out what the conference will be all about. So, uh, so you, we, we got the date, we got the venue, we locked them in and say, okay, what is this going to be about? Well, you know, Chris Doe did a huge pivot of business model. He started, he went from a graphic design firm to an education behemoth. Ron Baker 
disrupted himself by having a full livelihood on value pricing and writing a book to say, oh, you know what, value pricing has had its time. It's time to look at uh, times up. So these watching these two people and also watching what's happening in my profession and the opportunities in my practice and anything you can think of, AI, like all these things coming in and saying, you know what, this conference has to be about my journey in in moving to the subscription model. It needs to be about my journey on ditching a very good model, which is a value pricing model to move into this and getting Ron and Chris to support us in this concept that we have to have the initiative, take the leap forward and self-disrupt and build a business model that's more akin to customer expectations, more akin to uh, giving customers frictionless access to us and more akin to what's going to happen with technology and how customers are going to expect the delivery of our work product is going to be significantly different. So if the entire platform of, of delivery of our work product changes and the business model doesn't, what's going to happen is the people that build those platforms that change the delivery system for, for our work are the ones that are going to tap in into the commercial side. And they're the ones that are going to essentially offer because they have the, the customer's eyes basically right in front of them. They're the ones that are going to offer the service per se. And it won't be with accountants. It will be with software companies. So I'm strongly thinking that us, we have to get in the forefront of that before the software companies do it. And AI will be, uh, it, it will be at the backdrop of our conference, but I think that it will be in the forefront of the changes that are happening in the next four or five years. So as you were talking there, it sounds like this is really just an incredible ruse for you to get Ron and Chris together so you can have dinner with them in Miami is really. It's really, really. But, well, and it also reminds me, quite frankly, Hector, of, of Ron's vision when he when he put Verisage Institute together, too, which was to gather some really cool people together and and talk about ideas and and uh, I'm, I'm excited to be a part of this as, as well talk talk about the the particulars just to get the, get them out there where when um how can people find out more information about it and you only have about 30 tickets left is that right uh we got 22 but who's counting 22 okay, okay 22 uh, so act now yeah. yeah so it's called creative business models for accountant imagine the logo being the huge word creative the huge word accountant and business models for really small. So the catchy thing is creative accountants. Oh my God, can you imagine? Uh, so we're kind of we're trying to bring in this left brain, light, uh, right brain sort of mentality to, 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 to self-disruption. It will be in Miami. It will be uh, two and a half days. So the 26th and the 27th of October will be the official conference day. Ron will do a keynote. Chris Doe will do a keynote. Ed's going to make a special appearance, which we're not going to discuss his role yet. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, and on the 25th, we added a half a day of chat GPT because a lot of people are saying, hey, what about the AI stuff? I said, you know what? We'll do half a day and we'll just spend three hours geeking out on chat GPT. So it becomes the backdrop. And that way we're not distracted with like the specifics of technology because we want to discuss about the lasting skill of uh, eternal creativity and eternal self-disruption which you know, ChatGPT could be converted into some other competitor of, of, of AI and chatbots and stuff like that. So the technology is temporary, the mindset is permanent. And that's kind of what we want to do. And you go to altaccountant.com forward slash creative, and that's how you can sign up if there's tickets left. 
All right, altaccountant.com forward slash creative. Um, Greg will get that as part of our Twitter stream, so I'm sure we'll be able to, to talk about that, and it'll also be in the show notes for those of you listening after the fact. I, I did get a note from, from Greg that we are having some people listen live and are participating, so expect a question from our one of our audience members coming up soon, Hector. But I, I wanted to turn back to some conceptual things for you, and he, here's the thing that's really amazed me, and this just came into my mind in, in, in really the last week. I've been frustrated for however long Siri has been around. It's Siri is really frustrating to use. I can use it. I've got it figured out. I know that I need to say certain keywords for it. But when I try to teach anyone, including my wife, how to use it, it never works out for her. It says Siri's stupid. And she is. How come ChatGPT is so much better? And when when are we going to see the integration of those two technologies come together so that these real-life conversations that people have will be able to do things like open your door or, or turn the air conditioning up or all of those things. What, 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 what do you think the disconnect has been on that? Well, my, my speculation here is, is that once Apple bought the Siri technology, which they bought it from a different company, there really was Called Siri, I believe. Yeah, something like that. Yeah. So I, I believe there really wasn't a sort of a better competitor. I believe that's what it was. And then Apple said, you know what, let's work in other things and let's just keep that sort of to the side. And probably they were not expecting a ChatGPT type thing. And then, and then ChatGPT had a different model. You know, they started with sort of nonprofit concept. You know, they had 10 million, $10 billion of funding from Microsoft. I mean, I, I, I believe that the focus, the focus on what I believe ultimately is that the open AI people were creative enough to envision ChatGPT being so much better than Siri. And Apple did not have the vision to, to see it be something beyond just what it is. And now Apple, like classic Apple, right? They're reacting and they have announced that they're going to pour millions or billions of dollars into AI. And we're going to start seeing Apple's version of, of an LLM, of a, of a large language model. But I don't know the technical reasons why Apple never did it, but I think, I think it, was, it just boils down to lack of creativity. So it was, it was it was lack of clean slate. It it was it was not they didn't they didn't destroy enough. They just they just bought and bolted is really what you're you're saying. And then and you see this real need to to really start from the ground up and rethink it. And that's what ChatGPT did. Yeah, I think in, in many ways AI is not new. Um, sort of mm-hmm. AI type of technology bots are not new, but AI probably had the magic doodle reset. And started from zero right, on, until they got to where ChatGPT is now, and um, and we need an open AI type of company inside accounting. Uh, I, be, I strongly believe that could that could have this vision where, like, the open AI was building this for four or five years, or maybe even seven years before they even released ChatGPT to the public. So. It, it, we might need to you know, go in research mode and, and think about these things. Like, I, I don't know if we're going to walk out of a conference and say, I got the solution. It, it, we might not be. They, hopefully, we'll have 100 attendees that all have different iterations of these things. And then we learn from each other and we reiterate. And we're going to be in this constant state of creation and destruction, creation and destruction, until we find a really good, strong formula that we can sustain for X amount of time until it's time to change it again. Like Ron says on the end of Time's Up, uh, referring to the ends game from Marco Bartoli, I believe is his name, which is, hey, subscription could possibly just be a temporary thing. And we might switch to something else, something that's more sort of tied with what the customers ultimately get out of the work 
And we might in this process, hopefully, even if, if, if the platform for payments is solely subscription, uh, we'll, we'll be creative possibly in how we maybe combine subscription with value pricing or, or, or use subscription as the baseline frictionless uh, form of payment and then use that to then free up our minds to, to just really truly get creative on the delivery system. Because I think that a subscription might be the simplest, cleanest way to create a frictionless platform for customers to start paying us. And then once we get the economics and the finances out of the way, that's where we can start now experimenting with a delivery platform. Because I think our delivery platform and, our, and the experience, these two things are super truly lacking. And, and when, when Ron asked the question a couple of years ago, which I'm calling the Ron Baker question, and I'm trying to coin it as a Ron Baker question, which is what if Disney would enter the profession? That question enters my mind every single time some new Disney-esque type thing shows up. It's like, huh, you know, what if this would, would be sort of the ethos on how we build a, a new business, right? Like we take, we take this abstract concepts of our understanding of what a brand is, what a brand feels, and do use that as inspiration to build an accounting firm or maybe don't even call it an accounting firm, a, a, uh, you know, a financial, a, a financial confidence platform for our customers, right? That's what we need to build. We give our customers confidence in their numbers. That's, that should be our ethos. And the platform, the delivery system, that all needs to be innovated. I strongly believe on that. All right. Well, we have a question coming in from Alan, but we'll get to that in another segment. I don't want to give it short shrift. We're right up against our break. I want to remind those of you listening that you can get a hold of Ron or me by sending an email to asktsoe at verisage.com. The website is The Soul of Enterprise, where you can see show notes, previews to upcoming shows. We also have a Patreon channel, patreon.com slash TSOE, which at a certain level, you can get a shout out like Geraldine Carter did. Geraldine Carter with Business Strategy for CPAs podcast. Check her stuff out at GeraldineCarter.com. We're also sponsored on Patreon by 90 Minds. If you need find a mind at 90minds.com. But right now, a word from our sponsors. And back on the Soul of Enterprise, and we have a lot of chirping in the uh, Twitter sphere, or I'm sorry, the exosphere, <laughs> I guess it is now, the exosphere. Uh, uh, Donna, hello. I understand you're listening live. That's great. And we have a question, guys, from Alan. And here's the question I want to run. I'll put this to, to the both of you. Alan says, I run a wealth management business. And as you may know, the fee model is charging for a percent of assets. So the more money you have, the bigger the fee. Six years ago, we moved to a flat fee retainer model, assuming that the market would follow us. Almost no one has. Is there an issue that the clients and customers are happy just to accept the model and that the majority of profession professionals apply regardless? I think what he's asking there is he came in, tried to do a new model. Nobody's moved to this model. What do we do when customers don't move? When do we customers when customers get stuck in this model? Ron, I'll, I'll, I'll can that off to you at first. Well, you know, I've done some work with some wealth planning firms and I've seen all sorts of different models. Some stay on the fee for service, some do the percentage of assets. Um, it, it's, it's a real challenge to change any, any industry's business model. I think you just have to pick a strategy that works for you and your firm and your particular customers, the customers that you're going after. That, that's my quick take on it. Hector, what's yours? The, specifically, the, the sort of the finance world is something I don't have expertise in, so I don't want to trip on a landmine there, but I'll, I'll, I'll draw an analogy. Uh, my aunt, who's a realtor, I've been telling her forever that this concept of like 
you have to show a million houses. And then once somebody decides to buy a house, then you get paid. But in that process, she has market knowledge of the schools, of the crime rate, of the right street, of which street is noisy, which street is bright, which is not bright, you know, which route the police drive through, you know, when you hear sirens, where the hospital is, the quick route to the hospital, like all these sort of tacit knowledge about like, not just the multiple houses that you're selling, but the value around understanding what you're getting yourself into. And I believe that the, the particular with the real estate industry, all that stuff is just like customers don't care about that because it has not been brought to the forefront. So customers have only been taught that you buy a house, the realtor gets paid, and that's it. And we and, and the, the, the real estate profession has not done anything, anything to try to create value onto the, 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 the meaning and professionalism to have a real estate professional by your side. So I believe we could draw the analogy and finance the same thing. The customers have only been taught that paying the finance professional, it's only a function of how much money is being moved around. I mean, money being moved around is not the value that a financial professional can give. Sometimes the financial professional can give advice that has nothing to do with moving money. Sometimes the advice is don't move the money. But if there's no transaction, nobody gets paid. So so the financial professional or in the entire financial advice industry has never done any training or or education or innovation around where's the value of telling people to do nothing? (laughs) You know what I mean? Um, You know, like even like during COVID, like I freaked out and I sold my stock and I shouldn't have. My financial advisor told me you should either sell or buy more. Like he never told me, hey, do nothing, you know, because do nothing was not something that they get compensated on. It wasn't a transaction. And I believe that's the same real estate, financial advice. I think a lot of these industries, you know, just the presence, just the access, just the peace of mind, just the be there for me, just in case I need something. That piece, that that factor has not been valued. And I think that's the opportunity to, that's our opportunity to innovate. Let's, let's look at the things that nobody else is looking at. And I, I t- tell you guys the, the example with Costco all the time. Like, Having a Costco card in my wallet feels good. Knowing that I can go to Costco anytime and see what Costco has, because the sheer value that is in Costco makes me feel that someone, some procurement person that took really, really uh, their time to make sure that they buy good product, decided to put it there. That in itself is valuable because Walmart will put anything that any any product that somebody will put slotting fees on and they have a line of credit to be able to finance. But Costco's different. Costco specifically chooses products that they feel are good. And that Costco member like even not even Costco has done a good job at marketing that. And I think that's where opportunity is. It's it's where's the value of just being there or just being a a, a member of it. What's, what's the value of just being associated with with that professional or that business or that brand? And I think that's missing and lacking in many professions. And I would just add one more thing, Ed, to to that to the answer to my comment. Um, we interviewed David Bonson. Now, David Bonson is a wealth management firm out here in um, Southern California, and I believe he is on a subscription basis. I don't know what his uh, pricing is in total, but he he'd be an interesting guy to go look at his firm, David Bonson's firm. Yep. And Alan uh, did let 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 you both know that your answers were insightful. So thanks thanks so much for that. Yeah, thanks, Alan. 
Awesome. Well, Hector, you know, you also said, and I found this pretty evocative, um, the customer of the future will buy from those firms that provide two things. What are those two things? Okay. <laughs> so <laughs> it, it goes back to, uh, to Drucker, right? With uh, marketing and innovation. I think at the end of the day, there's two things that customers want. Customers want to feel very good, very secure about who they're, who they're interacting with, who they're like you do doing with business Costco. with. Like, you like do I with do Costco. with Costco, like I do with Costco and like customers do with me because I've created a huge, very important personal brand about telling the truth. Like that's, that's my brand. My brand is I tell the truth about what I think about accounting and accounting software, et cetera, et cetera. People work with me because they're, they're working with a truth teller. That's the brand that I, I, I try to build. And the second one is, it's, it goes back to marketing and innovation. And it, it, on the innovation side is, the company that gives the least amount of friction to the value. So the, the shortest, easiest path to their goal. Okay. So I, th I believe that a strong brand and a frictionless platform are the two things that customers will always gravitate towards. Strong brand, friction, frictionless platform, marketing and innovation. And that said, you know, I've been thinking a lot about strategy lately and just absolutely how critical it is because it's not a plan. You know, we, if we have a business plan, you can control a plan. You can't control a strategy. MacArthur could not control the events of D-Day. He had a theory about it, <laughs> but of course the weather almost, you know, disrupted the entire thing. And the interesting thing to me about strategy is it looks at not, it looks at not what is true. It looks at what would have to be true and, and your two things kind of lead into that. I mean, a good strategy is always, uh, obvious in hindsight, Southwest was an awesome strategy, but nobody thought about it or, or thought it was crazy when they first heard it. Right. Oh, you, what do you mean? You're going to fly to secondary tertiary cities, only use one type of airplane, have no classes, fly, no international you know, all the things that Southwest does that in, in hindsight, you go, that was brilliant. And that's how I feel about subscription. Even though it's been around in the medical profession since 96, it's a phenomenal strategy because it gets to the heart of these things that you're talking about, not only to attract customers, but I think to attract talent. Yeah. I, one of the things that I, I may have said that said in the past show is Right now, the, the, this is going to be a supply-side economics thing in the short term, right? Right now, we, the professionals, have to change our offering right now. Okay, If we wait 5, 10 years, it's going to be demand side. The customers are going to basically tell us what they're going to want, and we might not be able to unring that bell. But right now, we have the opportunity where we have the control. We are the ones that have full control over what offering we can we can give. And I think that that's what we're going we're gonna to transform. I, th I believe the, the subscription model is one of those paths, uh, probably the easiest one to implement, the easiest one to immediately see uh, value on. But the, in, in, the long, in the long term, okay, customers always want perpetual value. Customers always gravitate towards perpetual value, even with products, even with products. The best products in the world offer some sort of lifetime discount or sorry, lifetime guarantee. Okay. And, uh, and that's what people buy. Even if people end up throwing it away or the technology becomes outdated, 
the the lifetime uh, guarantee is it's it's something that tells the world that hey we are gonna our brand and, and our promise of quality will outlive the transaction, and uh, and economically speaking, it's very difficult to give lifetime guarantee on one transaction, on one tax return, on one year financial statement. So the only way to economically align those two things is we have to say, hey, we're going to give you lifetime quality, life perpetual quality, lifetime guarantee, as long as you are associated with us, subscribe to us. And the only way to tie those two things is to subscribe. I, I, I just don't see any other, any other way. I don't see it. It was difficult for me at first to see it. But I don't. I, I. 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 can. I can. Right now, at the moment, I can only fathom. If you want perpetual value, I will. I will guarantee perpetual value. You need to be perpetually subscribed to me. I, I don't see any other way. Now, last time you were on, you were talking about your pivot of your firm to the subscription model. So it's been a few months. How's it going so far? What's been going on with that? Well, I'll start with the with the sad news. Is we lost some. We lost some customers, right? Um, the 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 change to subscription brought two things. One is a simplification of our offering. Uh, we had to, in order to be able to do this without having to make a significant investment in new teams and new employees, et cetera, et cetera, uh, we've had to reduce the scope of the work that we do. So we got rid of tax because it would have been really difficult to subscribe to both. Although I'm starting to see, like now that I'm starting to see this implemented, I am now starting to see how tax could be very super easily folded into this. But it wasn't until I took it away that I was able to see it. Because while the tax was there, with my current 500 uh, uh, tax returns that I was doing, with those 15 years of bad habits of the customer's expectations being a certain way, it, it, was, it, was, it was very opaque. I, I could not see past it. But now that they're not there anymore, now I'm starting to engineer, okay, how am I going to bring tax customers, roll them into this? And, uh, and it's probably going to have to be new customers. So I, you, you transform your firm one customer at a time. That is so true. It's so difficult to make the, the transition. Uh, and the reason why we didn't just completely destroy our firm and start it over is because at least our bookkeeping customers, uh, they're with us because they believe they're working with the best damn bookkeepers in the world. And we, we truly, truly appreciate that's how they feel. And we said, you know what? Let's continue to leverage that. So we kept our current bookkeeping our monthly bookkeeping clients. We offered a new model with a lowered scope. A lot, of, a few people. I would say a lot. A few people left. I would say about fifteen percent have left. Uh, about eighty percent have started to accept the new reality, and and the rest, you know, we're still sort of discussing and kind of uh, walking them through through the change. I mean, at the end of the day, the the delivery mechanism hasn't yet changed, which we talked about earlier. But that's exactly what we were working on for twenty twenty four. We're going to completely change the delivery mechanism too. So what, by delivery mechanism, I mean uh, emailing PL and balance sheets. That needs mm -hmm. to be destroyed from our industry completely. Like that's the most impersonal thing in the world, emailing a PL and a balance sheet. So we're, we're, we're experimenting with different platforms, which is, okay, what would this look like next year where customers click a button to subscribe, click a button to log in, and they have all the information they need, including potentially building a chatbot where people can ask questions about the financial statements and that sort of thing. We're really looking into that technology and investing into training the bots and what have you. So this is going to this is going to be the reality. We're not replacing the humans. Absolutely not. The humans are still going to be there. But we're, we're reducing the friction for the customers to get to at least the first layer of value, get 
get the information, get it easy, get it easy to, to understand and be able to interact with the platforms in a basic level and then be able to easily scale up to the human being. So that's, that's exactly how it's going right now. It's not perfect, but, uh, but uh, the, the, the few customers that we lost open capacity for the new ones that we're, we're sending offers on at, at a higher value. So, so it's working, it was working out. And Hector, I want to, I want to run a concept by you here. I, 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 this is something that's been, been personal in, in, in my life for the last couple of weeks, really, maybe even months and may, will continue to be. My son is a, a rising senior, started his senior year yesterday. And uh, today is day two of school. We had a, a visit today at Austin College in Sherman, uh, Texas. And one of the things that came up again is, hey, what's, what's your major? You know, what, what, what do you perceive major to be? And I'm firmly convinced that not only does the job that my son will get out of college not exist, I'm not sure that the major that he will major in exists. And that's only four years from now. <laughs> I mean, I'm in a position where I truly need to try to encourage people to go to accounting. We need accounting professors. We need, we need accountants. We need accounting technologists. Like we, we badly need them as a profession, but you're hundred uh, percent uh, um, right about that. And I think I sent you guys a video a couple of months ago in, in a, it was a, it was an interview where they were asking some gentlemen about, you know, their thoughts. I think it was with Jordan Peterson. So their thoughts about, uh, you know, how this is changing professions. And, uh, and they made a point that the professions that are right now thriving with interaction with, with, uh, with ChatGPT are the literary ma majors. They're the English majors. They're the, the, the philosophy majors. Like all, all these professions that we usually use as Bunt, uh, end of the jokes, right? In terms of in terms of the potential success, and you know, at the opposite side of that is the accountants and the lawyers and the and the and the software engineers and the and the bankers or doctors or whatever. All these deep philosophical professions that think about how humans act and react, that can translate their observation of behaviors into words, and can use those words to interact with large language models, like basically the database of the world in one place, like the, the average of human knowledge, which is not necessarily a good thing, but the LLMs are basically the average of human, human knowledge. But if you start uh, pinning these philosophical concepts against the average of human knowledge, you start discovering some really interesting things that being able to talk to a computer is valuable, but it's valuable because that's the way you would talk to a human being. So the computer essentially is just mimicking what it would be like to talk to an average human being. And I believe the professions of the future would be deeply, deeply, deeply rewarding very good communicators, like just in general, good communicators, not necessarily like public speaking communicators, but people that can translate ideas into machine thinking, or they can take the machine thinking and translate that into human uh, idea. So the prompt engineer, which is like probably the, one of the most sort of common new professions, right? This is the new influencer, right? The, the prompt engineer. The prompt engineers and variations of, of prompt engineers would probably be the ones that we start seeing 10, 15 years from now um, be the most successful. And, and, and maybe within the roots of philosophy or history or, or, or sort of human studies. You know, it's interesting. I was talking with Doug Sleater, who I know is also coming to the the conference as well. So pretty excited about th that to see him. Uh, and and 
I took this away from uh, Russ Roberts episode from I think four or five weeks ago. All language is translation. All language is translation because we're we're trying to translate from our brain, which doesn't understand language, to something that we can say. And then it's going in through your ears, which doesn't understand language, that's passing to your brain. All language is translation. So th- this is a really meta concept, isn't it? Yeah, and I shared this with Ron, uh, I think it was last year. Uh, Ron was speaking in a conference and he was you know, teaching his sort of subscription model 101. And there was a live sign language translator on the stage. Uh, Ron, I think you remem- remember that. It was a unique experience. And it happened to be the same week that I couldn't talk because I got vocal cord surgery. And I knew I was going to go to this conference, not being able to talk. And my wife and I learned a little bit sign language, but I, like everything in life, I obsessed with sign language for like two weeks. Right? So I started to learn sign language and I happened to be put in, in a talk where there was a, a live sign, sign language uh, interpreter. And some of, some of the signs I was already understanding, but then I was starting to notice that sign language cannot be as rich as English. And if you've been to a Ron Baker uh, presentation, he picks his words very specifically. Okay, so like the word goal and the word and the word uh, expectations or the word results, goal, results, expectations, they're three different words. And, and somebody eloquent like Ron trying to explain a concept would use those words strategically in every single part to make a, a different point. But a sign language is only one sign for all of them. You know, and I noticed that and I noticed, huh, that person, even if the person is perfect in sign language, they're not getting the full piece of intended communication from Ron, it has been translated. So I think translation goes both ways. Translation can degrade the the communication that's being transferred, or in many times, translation can enhance it. I mean, I've been in conversations where someone makes an awesome point, and then two people just like don't get it, and the other person just says one word that just sort of connects the, the one concept with their worldview or maybe some inside experience and they go, ah, of course, that one word, that's, that makes sense. So I think absolutely, uh, the, you know, the, hard, the harder communication, there is translation. And I think that if we as professionals understand that and understand that translation is also sort of reframing, right? Where you take this, the same problem and you explain it differently or you translate it to the way that customer would understand that and connect with, you, you, could, you can move much faster. Well, that's a perfect leading for the, the final conversation. We've only got about a, a 90 seconds or so left, Hector. Uh, on our bonus episode, we're going we're gonna to talk about avocados and, uh, and, and, and business models. Just, just drop a little bit of your avocado exercise on the group and say this is what we're, they're going to see down in Miami if they come to and participate. Yeah, absolutely. So my brother and I, who are organizing the conference, we, we did a webinar for like all my followers. And we said, hey, I'm going to give you a preview of how we, how we innovate. Okay. And then we asked the crowd, hey, give us a thing. And then we gave them a couple of options and everybody voted and they vote avocado. And then give us a dollar and then everybody voted and they came and $49 was what they voted. And give me a target person. And we gave them a couple options. And they said, I think it was like a human, it was a a business owner in their 40s. And then we took these three concepts and say, okay, how does a, a, a busy business owner in his 40s, and it was male, it was, it was very specific, like the specific, in his 40s, subscribe to avocados for $49 a month. And then, so Carlos and I came up with a framework, highly inspired by you, Ed, on the conference we had in Chicago like five years ago, where we're going to ask each other specific questions. 
what does the avocado look like? And we started, okay, it's small, it's round, it's handheld, it's nutritious, it's, it's, uh, you know, it's perishable. Uh, what is it used for? Okay, you eat it. it, it it's, it's from Mexico, it's trendy. And we ask a whole bunch of questions, like 30 questions in total. And then we do this sort of Venn diagram where we connect everything together. And finally, we come up with this hypothetical business model on how you could sell avocados on subscription to that target customer. And that's, that's, and that's uh, indicative or an illustration of how in abstract thought and abstract brain, brainstorming, you can start now thinking about like, how do we do this in accounting and in, in bookkeeping and tax and legal, whatever. Outstanding. Well, that's just a little bit of a preview. Ron, what do we got coming up next week on the show? We're hitting another accounting influencer ad, Seth David from Nerd Enterprises. All right. Can hardly wait. I'll see you in 167 hours. All right. So we got a couple of choices here, I guess. We could we could talk about this because you go straight to the avocado exercise uh, or maybe just do it in abstract with uh, with Greg's uh, random suggestions. Yeah, let's do that because we have the video of the avocado. So let's yeah. do Greg's thing. I okay. thought you were going to say an espresso machine, Greg. <laughs> but all right so I'll, I'll start with some context and I'm, we're recording this in, in the video format via zoom so we'll, we'll 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 put this in a youtube version as well just in case the visuals are required but we're going to try to make this as much as an audio experience as possible so imagine uh there being a situation where you're given three random things as we mentioned in the live show we're giving you an object we're giving you a dollar amount and we're giving you a target customer Okay, and and we are in abstract thought. That means that we're not trying to connect this to accounting or not right now. Okay, we're trying to just be creative or just 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 thinking uh, in in abstract or so liminal thinking. We're thinking at the edges, right? Um, so we got this three things, and we said, okay, let's put this to the test. We did it on a live webinar. This was this wasn't rehearsed. Um, I mean, I love the fact that they picked avocado because I had so many, so many interesting things to say about avocado because I'm kind of obsessed with avocados, but it's a different side story. So we went to this exercise where we asked, okay, what does the thing look like? Uh, what is it used or known for? What does it feel like? What is it not used for? And, and it's important to also ask questions that are sort of opposite, like because sometimes the answer and the, the innovation is in the opposite. It's in the completely unexpected thing. It's on the twist to the story, per se. Let's call it that. And then we ask questions like, what are the alternate versions of this? And then we talked about then the human. So who is the human, the target customer? It was uh, a busy business owner in their 40s. So we talked about what are the main pain points of this average human? What does this human value the most? Uh, what does financial success uh, look like to that human? or target customer, if you want to call it that. And what does spiritual success look like? Very TSOE to, to include a question like that. Uh, and, then, and so we went through the sort of the iterations of that. And just imagine be a, a, a post-it note, the big, uh, what do they call those? The, the big boards. And then you, and a group of four or five people just kind of shouting out ideas, putting post-it notes and putting them into each group. Again, at the end is to have sort of a visual representation of how we join these things together. Then we talked about uh, the price. So we talked about the $49 as the, 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 randomly, uh, the random number that was given to us. Um, and then uh, we started looking, okay, does this, is this per month? Is this per year? Is this per quarter? Is there a setup fee that has to be paid prior to being able to engage in this $49? So we talked about uh, that in abstract. Then we said, okay, if $49 is the, the, the target number, what does the nudge up for that? What is the plus version of that look like? So, so we, we said, okay, let's think about $75 a month. And then what does the 
the notched down version of that look like? So what is the light version of the core subscription to the avocado, to the busy 40-year-old entrepreneur look like? And that could possibly be a lower number or a possible freemium, because freemium is a very popular way of getting people's foot in the door. And then we talked about, okay, what technology is needed to maintain an avocado? So we, we brainstormed on that. And then we talked about, okay, what reframing of value do we have to make to the customer so customers no longer think of avocado as a product, avocado as a lifestyle, as a way of life, as something that you need as part of your of, of your life. So then once we take, uh, we take so we, we, we did the brainstorming and we put all the post-it notes, then we, we, we took to modeling. So if we were to do a Venn diagram of all these things, what are the things that 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 connect together, um, and then we we brainstormed on that. And then what are some unusual uh, pairings? What are some like sort of opposites? And like I will give you an example. One of them was uh, religion or God, and we just came up with like what's what's the opposite of avocado? Okay, God. Okay, fine. And you know, and I made the joke to saying, well, you know, the existence of avocado is actually the proof that God exists. Right, so that, that made it kind of kind of funny. But anyway, um, so we started putting all these things together, and then the last thing would be okay. If you couldn't sell this product, this is the next question. If you couldn't sell this product, what services around it would you sell? So, 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 uh, President Biden or Trump or or RFK or whomever says, "Hey, avocado selling is illegal, but you can sell anything around the avocado." So we started brainstorming around that. So recipes, accessories. With the avocado entertainment complex, we called it, uh, helping people farm it, the you know, avocado theme wear, whatever. So we started brainstorming about that. And then finally, what are we not asking? And we, and we started asking questions to each other like, okay, are there interstate regulations to shipping avocados? You know, how much avocado does the average human eat or how much avocado can an average human eat that is not going to be harmful for, for their health? You know, and, and, and that sort of thing. So at the end of the day, we drafted, you know, our our basically our, our strategic model for like, what does an avocado subscription model look like? And we, we came up with this really awesome thing that I'm going to, um, I'm going to pull that up on the screen so I can like walk you through it. And then we'll do, we can do the same exercise with uh, the random things that Greg Tirico will give us. But meanwhile, maybe you want to, uh, I don't know, intervene or ask me a question about that. But No, this is fascinating. It, it, no, this is great. It, it, it... Hector, this is this. First off, it reminds me of Edward de Bono's book on creative thinking. You know, where especially the opposite question. You know, we sit on roller coasters. What if we stood on roller coasters? You know, it, so I love that opposite question thing. This also so much reminds me of candles, because candles is such a mature. I mean, candles been around for a long time, right? Centuries, and how Blythe Industries, I believe, in Australia just reinvented the market with questions like this. How can we bring candles back to life? And they did it by focusing on people's events in their lives, birthdays, anniversaries, bar mitzvahs, you know, all the different ceremonies that we go through and use candles for, you know, intimacy and all of that. It, it, it's just, this is very cool. Absolutely. And I'll, so I'll save you the, the, the actual brainstorming time because we have a, a video on that. And then I think it'll be much fun for us to do one live, you know, with, with brand new concepts. But essentially, at the end of the day, we came up with three packages, $19 a month avocado subscription, $49 a month and $75 a month. And then we're going to start with a $49 a month package. So the $49 a month package was 
subscribe to the avocado lover's lifestyle. Okay, that's that was our value proposition. Okay, subscribe to the avocado lover's lifestyle. Of course, our target market would be an avocado lover or somebody that wants to become an avocado lover. And we talked about like, like pathways and, and helping people to get there. The other value proposition is ripe, just right avocados on demand. And I tell you, as an avocado lover, that's like that's that's the that's the goal in life. The goal in life is how what do I need to do that at any point in time that I want to eat an avocado is there for me and is ready. Okay. Uh, obviously you subscribe to healthier eating habits and being a contributor to the farming community. And we'll, we'll discuss how we how we, we landed in that. So what does the subscription include? It includes monthly refrigerated box with 20 avocados, wow. uniquely, uniquely packaged to avoid spoilage, because we talked about the, the big issue with avocados is that if they if they fall down or if they get bump a bump somewhere, they get spoilage. So we have to innovate and we're gonna have to create a very special package. But the other thing that we came up with during the brainstorm is hey, one of the challenges I have is when you want to buy them, they're not they're not ready. So what if the subscription came with 20 avocados, but they were picked in such a way that you get five for week one two for week two, three for week three, three for week four, and some are refrigerated, some are not, and they're built in such a way, almost like those pills that you take that come in the little boxes to remind you which pill you need to take. Imagine the avocados coming like that. So you, you will have access to avocado on demand, ripe, ready, because we ship them to you that way. It also comes with monthly recipes. It comes with an avocado connoisseur certification. So if you actually want to tell people and brag that you're an avocado connoisseur, if you subscribe to this box, and you follow the recipes and you take the certification that requires knowing how to take care of an avocado, how to identify the, tip, the different types or whatever, uh, then you become an avoca- a certified avocado connoisseur and we would trademark that bad boy. Also, we would have uh, a monthly avocado lovers webinar, maybe people sharing their different experiences in this journey of becoming an avocado lover, maybe a monthly avocado art. You know, we'll have like an artist submit different avocados like different, and then we'll make replicas of that. And then maybe a, a contest on non-edible use of avocado. So what can you use with, do with the seed or with it? Can you make a cream? Can you make an, uh, an oil or something like that for your face? So that was kind of the general idea. And we came up with that in like in a 40-minute brainstorming session. And then, okay, let's talk about now the lower version of this. So the lower version of this would be five avocados instead of, instead of, instead of 20. And then instead of having access to the webinars and all that stuff, maybe there's just like a private chat or you know, Facebook group community or something like that where people can talk about that. And then we talked about the plus. And that's the, that's where the interesting thing happened because we had things in, in our board. We had things like religion or God. We have financial wealth preservation because we were asking each other really kooky questions about uh, you know what is totally unrelated to this, but related to the target customer which is a small business owner. And one of the things that a small business owner cares about, they care about legacy. They care about be- building financial wealth for their, for their uh, family. They care, many people care about God or, or, or they're religious. So we started thinking about, okay, how do we incorporate these things? So now the, the, the plus subscription of the avocado subscription at 75 would have 30 instead of 20, but the other 10 would be like sort of different varieties. So instead of being just a classic hash, you get different varieties so you can try. uh, $5 of your subscription goes to hungry children, right? That, that, you know, we're going to give them avocados basically, or your church of choice. So think about that, like, you know, as as just easily being able to incorporate that spirituality, that God element. Uh, 20% of avocado merch. So we would have this avocado merch store. 
uh, one bonus product, uh, like the, an oil or soap, like something sort of derived from avocados, uh, monthly access to an avocado plant coach. So for people that, so we would ship you a small plant and we would give you access to a coach that would just, you send them pictures or videos or whatever that tell you whether you're in the right sort of track of having your own avocado plant. You know, we could limit that to the right climates or whatever. Uh, an a- annual pilgrimage to the farm in San Diego where the where it is. And then you basically build a lo- brand loyalty. Like all these avocado lovers also need to gather together and acknowledge that they're not crazy. Well, well they are crazy, but but there's more, more of them, right? Um, and then maybe... $10 of, of the 75 goes to a contribution to becoming an investor in the, fan, so in the farm. So connecting that to like sort of wealth building. So we came up with all that in like a 40 minute exercise. And like, this was like, we said, hey, if we could do this live without any preparation, um, I think we can have a kick-ass conference. And, 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 uh, and, it, and it came out really well. And we're like even more excited about it. Because I, I think that this exercise is going to blow people's minds. Yeah, no, I mean, I'm, I'm looking at this and going, um, this is kind of what the wine clubs are doing, mm-hmm. you know, especially with the high end, you know, some of your, some of your payment. Now, I don't know how, how detailed they are, but some of your, imagine add some of our Wilson mm-hmm. subscription price going to futures, right? right? They don't, they don't do that option. That, mm-hmm. that would be, that'd be really smart. Yeah. And, um, so you guys want to do one? Sure. Let's let's give a quick whirl. whirl. All right. So, uh, Greg, you're gonna give us a product. Well, we got it. We got a blender. Uh, that's right. All right. That's right. All right. So let's start with. So it was a blender. It was eighty five dollars. Eighty five dollars. And it was a, a vacation hungry mother, maybe something like that, uh, or a mother that wants to go on vacations or that's obsessed with vacations or maybe. You know, doesn't get enough vacation, something like that. Greg, is that or, what it was? Or yeah, yeah, just to, to poke a little bit of fun, but we all do this. The the uh, the mom with the salt life sticker on the back of her car. Okay, all right, perfect. So like a a, 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 a beach uh, fan type of mother. Okay, no problem. So what does the thing look like? So the thing is a blender. So what does it look like? Yeah, it's tall, made out of glass or high level plastic. So all right, so we got we got plastic and we have a mortar, right? Yeah, and uh, and it's electric, and a blade, right? Blade. And, and so, sometimes, sometimes that some things that, that I found is that uh, even if it's obvious, just listed there because the blade is sharp and sharp it could be an inspiration for something yeah. else completely that you, you didn't even think that you were you had that. So, or the plastic, or the mortar, or the electric, or, or all that stuff. Okay, uh, what does what is this thing known? What is it known to do? What is I mean, obviously it blends. To, right, right, correct. <laughs> But 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 it 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 breaks it, it breaks things down, right? Yeah, yeah, breaks things down. Okay, breaks things down. Mixes things uh, together. I, I mixes. Okay, so we have break and mixes, and they're two different concepts. What else? Aerates your wine. Aerates <laughs> your wine. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Okay. Uh, <clears throat> I think that's awesome. Aerates your wine, and um, I assume that the salt life mother. Uh, appreciates aerated wine, correct? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah. That, what, that what margaritas. About, what about you, Greg? Yeah, it, it, it's margaritas. <laughs> there you go. And and this is a joke. Don't write this one down, but we all remember it also breaks iPhones because people used to put iPhones in blenders. It, 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 the, oh, yeah. the blend tech, the, 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 I, the true, true story, the blender I have today <laughs> is the blender that blended iPhones. Yep, blend tech. And, and I saw the blend tech commercial and my daughter was one, and I was start, starting to see my my um, 
my my wife make uh, the compote. So what's it called? The 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 food, uh, whatever the 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 food the the blended food, right? For the uh-huh. babies, compota is called in Spanish. I forget what it's called in English. The baby food, okay? Um, and uh, and and I, I saw okay, it could blend it could it could blend the blend it could blend an iPhone. That's pretty cool. And my wife is doing like this sort of this hand cutting of the fruits. You know, in the back of my mind, I'm like, this could be a good thing. And guess where I saw the blend tech and I bought it at Costco. Okay. <laughs> for $400, the biggest investment I ever made in a, in a house apl- appliance. And in today's day, there's tons of appliances. I go to 400, 500, 600. Uh, but like back then, that was like a super outlier. It's 15 years ago. Like who, who would spend 400 bucks in a single house appliance, especially a blender, right? Um, so, uh, iPhones, right? <laughs> iPhones. Okay. Um, let's see. What does this, uh, what does, what does this thing uh, feel like? Mm, it, it, it feels like it's oh, well put together. It's got, it's got weight to it. Okay. So not, not the blend thing specifically, just a blender. So it's, it's mm-hmm. heavy, right? It's heavy, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, it's sharp. On the inside. I hope okay. not on the outside. Okay. Sharp on the inside. Okay. We could describe some of our beloved ones like that, right? Smooth on the outside, sharp on the inside. Uh, I, uh, what else? Uh, what is it? What else? It feels loud, right? Well, it doesn't feel yeah. loud, but it is. Yeah, sounds loud. Yeah, sure. but I mean, just what does it feel like yeah. to use it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, yeah. so we have heavy, we have uh, sharp inside, we have loud. What else? Oh, it feel it feels powerful, right? You put something in a blender and it just destroys it. That's pretty awesome. It's yeah, got powerful. a secure lid. Secure yeah. lid. Yeah, like spill-proof, secure lid, secure lid. So like no spill, right? Okay. All right. What is when is when do you not use a blender? And then this is where we can try to start getting a little bit creative. When do we not use a blender? As a, in a bris, you would not. You would not. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I, I don't know. If, I don't know if I know how to spell bris either, but. Uh, <laughs> Where, where, where do we not use a blender? Right, when we, maybe when we need to do something delicate, maybe? Maybe when we need to do something delicate with the cooking, like something more precise yeah. and delicate? Yeah. I'm thinking about the noise. You don't use it you know, <laughs> late at night if you're trying to be respectful. Mm. Where, where, yeah, so like it's, uh, to, to not wake somebody up, right? Yeah. Uh, no, noise. Not, not, not late at night. Someone up, right? Not late at night, yep. Uh, yeah, so at night. And these are all abstract concepts. Like we, we, we don't need to connect them with anything right mm-hmm. now. Yep. What are alternate versions of Blender? So if you don't have a Blender, like what, what, do, you, what do people use? So I would say food, knife. Food, food processor, knife. Yeah. Even though the food processor is sort of a Blender, but. Uh, yeah, but, uh, you know, that's. Yeah. What else? Uh, a hand mixer. Hand mixer, hand mixer right? Milkshake machine. I was thinking of a milkshake mm-hmm. mixer. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, yeah. What else? Like, like maybe like a hammer, like to cr- like crushing things. Mm. Like I, you, know, you want to oh, crush yeah. some nuts or something. Yeah. Crush, crush the ice in a bag. There you go. Mm-hmm. Hammer. Yeah, hammer, bag and hammer, sort of thing. Okay, uh, that's pretty good. Uh, now let's talk about the human. So let's forget about the blender for a second. Let's talk about the human, which is this um, this avatar of uh, of a, a beach loving mother that uh, really loves her vacations and her breaks from her children, maybe possibly. Maybe the vacations with the children, maybe without. But what are the pain points of this of this avatar of this person that we were discussing? They're currently sober. Okay, they're, they're okay. They're currently sober, and they don't want to be. 
Okay. Don't want to be. All right. So, like, you're thinking that this person is into into drinking, right? We probably won't, don't need to limit it to that, but no, but, no. Okay. But think, thinking about the beach, you know, like you're 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 looking to have fun. Uh, you're hanging out with friends and family. Um, you're not terribly interested in spending, uh, you know, ninety five dollars in an afternoon on four margaritas at the local bar. So you you uh, you you want an easy way to relax. So you you you're wishing you were back. You were wishing you were back at the beach. You were. Uh, wishing you were re- you were entertained. Entertaining you, yeah. Were entertained. Okay. What all? What are all the pain points? Okay. You said mother, right? So, like, what are like the typical mo- what are typical mm-hmm. pain points of of motherhood? Like, kids always wanting a snack, maybe. Yeah, not a tremendous amount of downtime. Okay, kids always want snack. Uh, not too much downtime. Okay, good. Good. And it's I, also the, the downtime is um it's erratic, right? So it's it's not like from eight to ten PM she's got the time. It might be from eight to eight fifteen from all right. So yeah. so what do they value the most? They value uh consistent, predictable downtime. There you go. Okay, so we're gonna blend some sleeping pills there for the kids, I think. Hmm. Uh, something, something my wife used to say to me is that she valued conversations with adults because she had to talk to kids all day long while I was at work. Hmm. I like that. Okay. That's good. But what else? Well, being on vacation, of course. Okay. Like we, we established yeah. that. They be, yeah, be on yeah. vacation, mm-hmm. uh, they value that. And I think also the other thing is that vacation for the most part, and this is where you have to think, start thinking abstractly, Vacation for most people is get on a, 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 a get on a plane, take your luggage, be in a hotel, right? But uh, va- vacation, like there's a, there's a meme out there that says vacation is taking care of your kids in a different city, okay? Um, and it's so true. It felt so true when we went to Europe. It was like just just traveling, just taking care of my kids in a different city. But the vacation is not a place that you go to or or a thing that you do. Vacation is a switch in your head where you're no longer occupied with the mundane and you're sort of like disconnected from the day-to-day so like would that be what they value which would be a, a, a like a sort of a, a disconnection from day-to-day worries a brief a brief escape yep okay that's good enough okay so let's see now what does financial success look to to uh to this person i so said being able to afford uh, being able to afford the vacation they want right yeah, the four hundred dollar yeah. blender. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Again, like we, we don't want to think of the blend thing specifically. Like we want to kind of separate that. But yeah, being able to uh, afford the vacation they want. Uh, uh, kids uh, being, uh, well, I guess, uh, kids graduating college. I guess. Yeah, college, of course. Gradu- yeah. Graduation of college without too much debt. Hmm. And again, nothing to do with nothing to do with blender. But like, this is where the gold is. The gold is here in this weird things what else does financial success look like uh for that Uh, secure uh, retirement yeah retirement plan secure retirement yep retirement uh uh, financial security what about anything you said mother so like mother doesn't necessarily mean wife but anything connected to to the spouse financially speaking are you, are you leading us somewhere, or is that an open? No, no, question? no. I'm 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 priming it a little bit, but I'm saying it just we can have a little bit more answers. Like, do they want to make the same as the husband, or do they just want the household to make enough 
like yeah that type that that type, that type of stuff yeah if we're talking about a, a mom with or without a career i guess those are two different two very different things i i have a wife who is a mom and her money is her money and my money is her money so she right. has you know <laughs> right so in this case is uh i would say just uh knowing how much uh she can spend if if she oh, is that's not... that's good thank you yep no, knowing feeling comfortable with what you're spending and not not one right. Yeah, right even even if she's not the breadwinner right so like because there's situations where they where, where they could make more money or whatever like the, the, the stereotype doesn't have to fall but what i'm saying is depending on how you market because you you can market to like we can market to a professional ceo type mom or we can market to a, to a stay-at-home mom and yeah. the, the marketing would the value proposition could be different. I'm not saying it, it has to be where it could be. What does spiritual success look like for this person? There has to be some kind of sense of ease, knowing mm-hmm. that everything is going to be okay. Okay. Ease, knowing uh, everything is going to be okay. But um, uh, nobody can tell the future. So like, is there, is there, is there something more concrete or tangible? Uh, good, regular, good sleep. Uh-huh. Yeah, I love that. Yeah, uh, regular. I think maybe that's a regular good sleep. Beautiful. Okay, what else? I was thinking of healthy, wealthy, wiser, but, and the, but the wiser part right. for her and her kids. Uh, I would I say that- um, uh, maybe, maybe knowing uh, what... Uh, is going in their kids' bodies with with the context of food, maybe. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I think that could, that could that could be it. Okay, I think we're good enough with that. Okay, if you think of something else, we could do that. Okay, so now let's go to uh, to pricing. So when we think of a blender specifically. Like, do we think can can we go with single monthly or like do we have to like sort of charge a setup up front? Like, how would you picture how would you picture that? And also, do we picture new models of the of the blender or whatever being updated? Like, if we think about the direct experience that Ed has had with the Roomba, okay? Uh, you've had the Roomba for how long? Oh, uh, uh, close to eighteen months now. Uh, right. So, have has there been a physical product replaced? No, not yet. I think that's no. somewhere between two and three years. That was okay. That was now. Would would you expect to pay every time there's an upgrade? No. Or, or okay. So you want to pay one time? Did you did you pay one time for the unit? Mm-hmm. No, I didn't pay one time. No, it's thirty dollars a month. It would, they had they had they, originally they had originally a, a fifty dollar entry fee, but they got rid of that by the time I actually subscribed. But but they own it. They own they own the product. Like they could they could recall it back. You it's not your unit. I don't pay thirty dollars. I they, they they're gonna they're gonna want it back. Yeah. Right. Right. So so the they'll they'll um. What's it called when they for, they'll foreclose on your on your vacuum cleaner? Yes, they okay. will foreclose on my vacuum <laughs> okay. cleaner. I'm All sure right. the terms of service are they going to charge my credit card some out, outrageous amount? All right. So 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 single monthly should be fine, but probably possible. Um, it would only really work if uh, if we if the first if the first year is free. So uh, I mean, first year is a contract. So so first year on contract. Okay, so that allows them that guarantees eight hundred dollars or. 900 bucks or whatever. Uh, and then afterwards you go on, on subscription or maybe you can go contractless and we can, this is where the options could start sort of uh, moving on. Yeah. So uh, no contract and a $250 uh, fee or something like that. 
Okay. Well, uh, why, would you do, why would you do that? Why don't you just just know it's $85 a month, period, end of story. See, hey, I, we're, we're in abstract mode. Okay? All right. All right. We're, in, all right. we're not solving yet. Okay? I don't like that. <laughs> just saying. Okay. So there's th- th- probably no room for freemium in this case, right? Because there's no such thing as a, like a sort of a free version of a, of, a, of a blender. And we're starting with 85 bucks. What would, and just look at numbers, don't look at even the blender. What, what is like a logical uh, lower tier of the $85? 50. 50, yep. okay. And what's a logical higher tier? 120. Uh, okay, 120. All right, there we go. So we got, we, we got a three models in there. All right, what technology is needed uh, to, you know, f- to, to, to not, not just to use the blender, but to manage the blender remotely somehow as a company? So what, what do we need? It needs to be like Wi-Fi probably, right? Yeah, sure. Wi-Fi blender. Wi-Fi, Internet of Things, okay, yeah. enabled. Yeah, okay, just do, you just don't want to talk into the coffee pot is all I'm saying. Right. Do not let them get together. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Electricity for sure. I, I, I don't, I, the power yeah. of, a, of a blender probably won't, be, won't work on battery, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, yeah. what, what, what are the type of technology that we need? Okay. If, I, think, if I think this is right. le- off, leveraging off of what Greg said earlier. I mean, you want to make sure your blade is sharp. Sharp yeah, blade. Exa- exactly. So, so, yeah. so now you can't uh, – you cannot – um, sharpen a blade remotely, okay? No. And it and it probably doesn't it. right, and it probably doesn't make sense to ship the whole thing. So we need a replaceable, like easily replaceable blade. Mm-hmm. Okay, good. Um, and like I subscribe to my printer. Um, I already have a second set of ink and a second set of drum and a second set of whatever the other weird things that comes with it. So you would probably ship a, a second blade while you're at it. So when you, you need to replace it, you sent you sent the dull one, and people already have the replacement. Would that make sense? Yes. Okay. So something like I don't think I don't think blender blending companies have even thought about that. Okay. But uh, yes, absolutely. I think that would be that would be awesome. Now, what uh, what reframing of value would the customer need if they're going to subscribe to a blender for eighty five dollars? Kitchen appliances for a long time were seen as wedding gifts, right? Um, mostly because they, you just kind of assume they last for a very long time and, and just do the thing that they were intended to do in some form of perpetuity. Okay. So I put investment in kitchen toolage, but also uh, not just a wedding gift. Right. And, not, and, and it, it has to, there has to be... Um... Uh, m- more than even the traditional usage for, for a blender. It's got to go beyond just the, the, the thing that you would use occasionally. It's got to be something that be- becomes more relied on on, on on a more frequent basis. So it, it could do more than blend, basically. Um, yeah, that's part of it. But it's also, it, it has to be something, because look, a lot of people put their blenders away and you don't see it out of sight, out of mind. You, you want you want to make it so it's such such a, a a vital part of your kitchen that it stays on the counter like the coffee pot. Which I don't know anybody who puts their coffee pot away. Right. Okay. Which means so, it's got to be beautiful and come in different colors and. Right. So so yeah, there's two angles here. One's design, right? right. In terms and of it's got to be and functionality. It's got aesthetics. Have, yep. And the yeah, and the other one is just like easy access because you use it all the time. Mm-hmm. So back to like uh, frictionless access. 
Okay, beautiful. I think that's, that's, that, that'll be enough on that part. Okay, now we have the first question, which is, if there was a Venn diagram of all these answers, where would be the intercepts? And I'm just going to just let me remind you really quick. Okay, let's remind you really quick. You, you guys can see the screen, right? Um, mm -hmm. yep. Yeah. All right. So we have plastic mortar, electric blade, break, uh, uh, it, it, it breaks down things, mixes, aerates wine, margaritas, iPhones, not using a brisk, not use at night, not to wake somebody up, not to use when you want to do something precise and delicate, feels heavy, sharp, loud, powerful, secure lid, no spillage. Uh, knife food processor and hand mixer and hammer is the alternative version. Uh, human, one of the pain points is, is not being, uh, we'll, change, we'll change it from sober to blissful, okay? So not being blissful. Okay. <laughs> uh, you know, not, you know the, the human not wishing they'd be back at the beach, human wishing they were entertained, human annoyed by kids always wanting snacks. Uh, kids uh, pain point the human not having enough downtime. They value consistent, predictable downtime conversation with adults, disconnection, escape, being on vacation, financial success is being able to afford the vacation they want, kids graduating without too much debt, having retirement and financial security, knowing how much they can spend, just having just having sense of security of knowing I can spend this, I can't spend this. Spiritual success is ease of knowing everything's going to be okay, getting good regular sleep, knowing uh, what uh, what's going in the food's bodies. Uh, then we have uh, either a, a year contract to not pay anything up front or pay something up front and then pay the monthly fee. Uh, then we have the three options, 50, 85, and 120. Uh, we need internet of things, Wi-Fi, electricity, sharp blade, easy replaceable blade. And the reframing of value is, is an investment on your kitchen toolage, not just a wedding gift, not a trivial per, uh, purchase. It could do more than just blend. It needs to be beautiful. So it's always out and have frictionless access. So in a Venn diagram, which of these things you, you felt like... Um, like uh, like like went together. If this was Chat GPT, it could do that for us, couldn't it? True. <laughs> like, I I've, and um I have no issue going down that route if you want to do that or maybe no, potentially. No no, 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 no. I was just thinking. Yeah, uh, totally. It, and you'll yeah, be amazed yeah. on what it can do because it's just labels, right? It can. It's just it words, can, right? It's just yeah, association it with connections. words. Yeah. But okay, so one of the one of the major intersects here is is uh, there's a blade needs to be sharp and always ready to, to be used, okay? So there's a blade, needs to be sharp, always ready to be used. And I, I think that, that you know, we, we, we talked about what it looks like, what it needs to be. We talked about different ideas. So I think that's a, that's a really important one that comes throughout. Yep. The other one is um, the, the target customer wants to sleep, wants to be calm, uh, doesn't like noise, doesn't love noise. Okay. And this is where, this is where the things become a little bit, uh, challenging because the blender makes a lot of noise. Okay. Uh, what else are, are, um, sort of Venn diagrams here? I like the intersection of, um, wanting to know that they're providing their kids with healthy food and the easy, convenient access of this appliance in the kitchen. So, so, all right. So quick access. Uh, kids asking for snacks mm -hmm. happens all the time and healthy options. Okay. I think I like those. I think, I think those are great interceptions to work from. Now, what were some, what, what, are, what do you think of some uh, opposed pairings out of all the things that we mentioned, which two things, which two things seem to be 
sort of the most opposed. Like to me, it's noise. Yeah. Like, like to me, it's no, noise is like the, the, the big gap between these two things, right? Somebody wanting to chill and, so, and, a, and a machine that does not feel like you're chilling. Okay. And, and we're not innovating technology here. So let's not think about, well, we'll just invent a blender that makes no noise. I think right. the idea is to reframe noise. Okay. So what if, and we'll start thinking about this, what if, and I'm, I'm starting to solve, I don't want to solve, but what if the blender itself, it's a speaker. And when you turn it on music, music louder than the blender and music that's engineered or picked to sort of like, uh, you know, to sort of be the white noise to the blender. What, you know, what about something mm. like that? That could be pretty interesting too. Um, or maybe, or maybe, um, maybe uh, set it up in such a, th- such a way that the noise sounds like waves, like, like, like beach waves. Okay, well, I think I, all of that is still part of innovation, though. What if, you could say, what if we, what if we, we invented a, a denser mixing bowl that that doesn't that because uh, what, what's making the noise is not necessarily the blade; it's the it's the 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 motor, the the motor, um, and and the uh, bl- the the blender uh, volume where you put the stuff itself that's that's vibrating, right. Right. or the, the ice being crushed. Uh, yeah. The most common thing. Well, okay. yeah. The- well, I, also we could we could reframe ice being crushed as a positive thing. So, mm-hmm. like, like again, we don't like the noise, but we like the beach. We don't like the noise, but we like margaritas. Okay, and and the the crushed ice could be reframed as foreplay, you know, t- towards that. Okay, because there, there's there's experiences that happen before the experience. Well, I'm calling that foreplay because I don't have the the right language for that. So I apologize for that, but. You know, we, you know I, this is the this is the the build up up to it. Okay, so yeah, yeah. You know, it's, the, it's the uncorking of the champagne or the wine. Correct. Right? I mean, correct, correct. Yeah. Um. So, uh, so it would be uh reframing the ice crushing as uh, foreplay, okay, or uh, juxtaposing in this case uh, beach sounds or music uh, to the blender something like that okay if you can't sell a blender right it's illegal to sell a blender okay and what services would you sell around the blender hmm. uh, and greg had a drop by the way so that's fine but before i do um the one thing here would be food food delivery or ingredient <laughs> delivery for the blender there okay. you go so right. Right. Mm. so mm. so the food for the blender yeah ingredients okay. what a, what else? Yeah, um, yeah f- food or ingredients, right? What else? Uh, recipes. Recipes, right? of course. Yeah. Re- recipes, but probably beyond recipes, uh, technique. Okay. Like a blender is a button that you press on and you press off. I think some of the things that we lose by using a blender is sort of the art of knifing. Like if you look at like the sushi guys, you know, they go in there and like the, the whole knifing thing is a whole thing. You know, what if we start uh, creating an experience around blending? You know, what if there are levers you can push or sort of, sort of like dance with the process? You know, like I love like putting a stick there and like pushing things down, but, but the stick cannot touch the blade. So I love the dance of like, how deep can I go with the wooden stick without it breaking anything like while I'm pushing something down? So like, could we, could we could we could we gamify a little bit the usage of the blender, um, so the experience is also sort of fun. Mm-hmm. So the technique, yeah, the technique trumps ingredients, as or, chefs or, say. 
right, the technique or art of blending, right? Uh, maybe we'll reframe that, hey, if you're putting strawberry and banana, it's not the same thing as putting banana and strawberry. And like we can reframe that totally, okay? And like it, because our blender is shaped in a XYZ way, it's better to take the softer foods first and the bigger, and you could, you could build a culture around the, the process of doing something. I, t- I totally believe in that. Um, what else would you serve? Would you uh, sell around it? How about the blended food in itself? You know, what, what if, okay, fine. I can't sell the blender, but I can sell you the finished product. Right. Blended margarita mix or whatever. Yeah. Right. Right. Bloody Mary. Yeah. Or, or, or you can sell somebody a model like, like, look, this is, if you follow the recipe, this is what it's going to look like. So now you have something to physically compare against taste, right? So you can actually compare your technique, your combination of ingredients against a model of a finished product or something like that. Okay. What are we not asking? And mm-hmm. this is a, this is a very ed class question. Okay. <laughs> What 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 is the what is the question that if I had the answer for yes, it would set us free? Yeah, change my life. Yeah, I could avoid death. Yeah. <clears throat> what are we not asking? Wow. Um, why oh. only why only one blender? Okay. Uh, uh, why only one blender? How about uh, the type of blender changes or type of blade changes based on the season? Yeah, what about different 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 blades that that do different things? Different functions. Ah, yeah. You also can different blades uh, do different things. Okay, what about um, does blending things kill the product? Like does 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 bl- is it, does blending uh, cause a negative effect on the product itself? Yeah, and the the answer is can it be used to our advantage because blending at high speeds actually um, increases the temperature of them as well. Okay. Mm. And if you if you blend fast enough, you can actually heat food. Okay. Right. So, um, is there a benefit? Uh, Is there a benefit to uh, sort of like um, aftermath benefit of heating and blending at the same time? So in this case, health benefit, not necessarily. Well, uh, and can 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 you can you also can you also cool cool the product while it's blending because the blending is heating it? Can you also keep okay. it cool? So it, 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 it would be the opposite. Yeah. Uh, of of uh, cooling and blending. Yeah, that's a good good question. Why why do blenders not have Freon or whatever to, yeah, <laughs> at the cool. same time, yeah. you know, so to, to, to make a well, frozen drink. Can, can you, instead, in, instead of having a, a uh, plastic or glass base, maybe you have a metal one that you can put in the freezer. Like a thermos. Like, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. That could hold the temperature so can, either way. Can, can, can the container work um, outside the, the blending container work outside the blending unit? Mm-hmm. Uh, what about uh, a throwaway blending container? Right, I, mean, I don't have to clean it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, disposable. So I keep you guys around. You guys, you guys got better words than I do. <laughs> uh, okay, the green, right. the green people won't like the disposable blending unit, though. So, yeah. yeah, true. Well, well maybe, maybe yeah. you make it. Maybe you make it green, recyclable. Yeah. Recyclable. Okay. Recyclable. Okay. 
All right, yeah, that's a better one. Okay, so let's go ahead and create the model. Let's create the off the value proposition now. So we have $85 a month. And let's start with what are you subscribing to? You're subscribing to blended blended uh, things to drink and eat. Yeah, good food and drink. Right. So it definitely speed. Like the blender also has speed. Mm -hmm. So it's true, like true. it's 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 juxtaposing that hey, quick food can be good, but like in this case, it totally like we can frame around that. So right. a quick, healthy food lifestyle. Convenient, healthy. Yeah, yeah. Right. Um, uh, I would say also because we do have the extra blades, and we will do the maybe the sharpening service. So so uh, I would say always a best uh, possible performance uh, on a on a blender. Right. Okay. Which will give you you know finer food or whatever or something like that. Like the best knives are always sharp. Right. And then within the context of the target market, what what could what would we call this product? Like we need we need to take into advantage. We, we need to take into advantage in, into into consideration what the product is. How is it going to be reframed in value? We talked about the reframing and value, and 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 what the other person is going to um, feel. That, you know, that's a perfect question for Chat GPT to yeah. name these to name these options. Mom's Actually, best to friend. come up with the to come up with the bullet points uh, to to word I, all those so things. You you guys start brainstorming, and I'll type it up in Chat GPT. <laughs> I was also thinking you could have a, a an option. Maybe it's the top option, but it includes a second blender for your beach house or whatever. Maybe like, a, like, like a mini blender, like a mini version of you, it, or maybe just another full one for a second location. For some reason, I was thinking this was Greg. You know, so he's got. I know he's got a beach house, so he's got to have a blender there too. Right. <clears throat> uh, always. Uh, so I'm asking ChatGPT. I need help coming up with the name of a service which allows you to subscribe to a blender, includes always uh, sharpened uh, blades, uh, the noise of the blender has been reframed as, uh, as a lead up, a lead up to blissness, um, blissfulness. blissfulness, right? Blissfulness, and the target customer is a busy mom craving uh, beach vacations. So, <laughs> so I, so it says, I need help coming up with the name of a service which allows you to subscribe to a blender. Includes always sharpened blades. The noise of the blender has been reframed to lead up to blissfulness, and the target customer is a busy mom. Craving beach vacation. So let's see what ChatGPT says because we're not creative people. What about this? Bliss blend vacay. Vacay. All right. Beach bus. Beach bus blenders. Wave Tropical tunes. Look at this. <laughs> Tropical tune blends. Right. It's actually using the actual, the whole noise element. Barefoot blend bliss. Wow. Beach, we, beach dream blenders. Sharpeners. Mama, mama escape mixers. <laughs> mama uh, murmur mix. Yeah, Mama Escape Mixers, uh, Sunrise Sea Sooth. Smoothie Serenity. Oh my God! I like I like Sea Sooth. Yeah, <laughs> Sea Sooth subscriptions because you could also mix it with the word smoothie. 
So sea smooth. Yeah, sea smooth. Sea smooth. Sea smooth. Yeah. A VK Vive. And this is awesome because it's using Vive as vortex. Vive is both the music and the feeling, right? Or the sound and the feeling, right? So I like that too. Mama Murmur, Barefoot Blend. I, th- I think I like Barefoot Blend uh, a lot. Short yeah, There's sounds. all these are very good. <laughs> yeah, so great. So this box, wow. So yeah. so the the lesson to be learned about that. And so let's, we'll pick one. How about the Sea Sudi? Sure. Okay, we'll do, we'll do Sea Sudi. Okay. So this is the Sea uh, Sudi um, mixer. Okay. And the, the value proposition here is that um, we uh, the the noise it makes is uh, reframed as uh, path to the beach, uh, to the beach. Uh, let me just continue ask GPT. It's like uh, specifically, spe- specifically, how would, how would I tell a story on how, how the noise of the ice crushing uh, it's a crushing is a path to uh, relaxation. So it's like it's juxtaposing the two things that, that uh, tell a story about how the potentially uh, annoying noise of the ice crushing is a path to relaxation. Okay, let's see what um, what ChatGPT says. Okay. Uh, so here's a story that ChatGPT uh, put together with information. So a prelude to paradise. <laughs> we, all, we all have those moments when life feels like a crescendo, where the notes of stress and busyness reach their peak. For, busy mom, for a busy mom, these moments often blend into one another. That's beautiful. Creating a symphony of duties, responsibilities, and sometimes chaos. In these moments, finding relaxation seems impossible, if not improbable. Enter our blender, not just any blender, but a vessel to paradise. The first first sound you hear to switch it on. What's the first sound you hear to switch it on? Grinding, churning, and crushing ice. This might seem just like another symphony of your day, but let's let's reframe the sound in a moment. Picture perfect, pristine beach. Each time the blender whirls and crushes the ice, it mimics the waves crashing against the shore. Notice that I didn't type that specifically. We talked about yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, with every impulse, grind, every grind, you're transported closer to your dream beach uh, where the sun kisses your skin and the golden sands, golden sands <laughs> massage your feet, which is, okay, well, well, well I, th- I think yeah, we yeah, get yeah. the point. Yeah. I think we get the point. Uh, the, 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 the point is, is it, it's not that difficult to reframe that into into uh, it reframe this negative thing into a positive thing. So absolutely. It, okay. It, Go ahead. Yeah, this whole exercise makes me think. Okay, you go from something as abstract and even difficult because this is so mundane. You know, it's a blender for crying out loud. Yeah, correct. And then when you plug in accounting, yeah. Wow. Right. You can totally. See all sorts of sparks. Yeah. Totally. That. So let's let's wrap it up by saying, what else does it include? It's, so it includes recipes, right? It includes a sharpened blade, a sharp a sharpened uh, blade uh, service. Okay. 
uh, when I'm on a live video, I'm always horrible at spelling. Okay. So uh, what else does it include? Um, it includes maybe um, a monthly, I don't know. You guys tell me what else, what else can this include? I don't know, maybe for- like a special in- surprise ingredient of the month. Uh, okay. Uh, so surprise ingredient. Okay. Maybe a, a contest of like uh, people submitting something great that they did with the blender. Okay. How about that? Mm-hmm. Yeah, okay. Like so a uh, contest of uh, a drink or food uh, experimented mm-hmm. in the, in the, in the sea soothing mixer. Okay. What else? What, what, how, you know, what would, what would compel you to pay 85 bucks a month for to subscribing to a perfect performing blender? <clears throat> Ron, how often uh, do, you, do you use your blender? Not often. Um, uh, I, I was thinking that of those cocktail machines, you know, that you, mm-hmm. see average, you know, um, what, wouldn't it take like maybe some of the raw ingredients like booze or whatever, like margarita yeah. mix or so, so, so maybe we put a, a little package, a little frozen package together that contains uh, all, all the things that would go in a special drink. And all you have to do is add the booze of your choice. Mm-hmm. And then you mix them together and they're just perfect perfectly. So this is more of the alcohol side. So um, fresh alcohol mixers. Maybe maybe four maybe four per month. Okay, so we're, we're so we're 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 both sort of quasi leasing the blender. We're guaranteeing the the um, the the blade will be sharp. Maybe with this thing connected to Wi-Fi, we can we can see based on the temperature or whatever of of the blade, we can see if it's performing the way it has, and they know when you need to uh, change the blender. Uh, we will you know we. we we subscribe people into the sort of the blender lifestyle, the see soothing uh, lifestyle. Uh, maybe uh, maybe we download via the Internet of Things <clears throat> new tunes, like new new mask sounds uh, for 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 the blender, and then maybe we can send four alcohol mixers they can use per month, and that's it. And then you you and then you start you start from you start from there, and then you start, you're like, okay, what does the plus version look like? Okay, so maybe the plus version, like like Ron said, comes with two blenders or a, a, a baby blender. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe the the plus version comes with more mixers. Uh, maybe the, the 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 plus version itself comes with multiple size uh, containers, or maybe some different you know, types range, of blades. Yeah, different types of blades, right? So you could you could do you could do different things, uh, and then maybe the lower version of that, um, or maybe the, there doesn't need to be a lower version of that. The 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 premise that there needs to be three options is no longer hundred yeah, percent necessary with subscriptions. Yep. All right, so so to wrap it up, what do you guys think that this exercise at the end, what lessons do you extract from this exercise that you can connect with accounting, for example? Well, to me, this goes back to the revenue model question. What what are we what do we want our customers to pay us for? Yeah. It's not blunders. Right. Right. It's, it's not everything blend- that goes around it. Right. What what is the sharp blade version? What is the sh- what is the sh- always sharp blade version in accounting? accounting. Yeah. Mm-hmm. What's what's the best curbside appeal for in accounting? Right. You know. Um, yeah. It it forces it forces you to think about those questions. 
I was thinking about how we did that in Chicago, Ed. Wasn't it the Q Force exercise? Didn't we start with that somewhere? Um, I don't know mm-hmm. if it was a Q Force. No, it was it was the it was the, the roof or shoot like what well, yeah, would you describe to your roof? Why would you describe, yeah. Right, right. Roof, shoes, guitar, right? All that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I guess right, we didn't we, have the Q Force by then. Should we, we ask Chat Chat GPT how we connect this to uh to an accounting firm? Sure. I'd love yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, All yeah. right. Let's let's see what it does. Okay. How can I connect this to an accounting firm's business model. Assuming it's going to give me an answer. But what, the first thing, I, first thing I would tell you is, um, w- when we think of specifically uh, accounting business models, we start we start with the lowest common denominator, which is the customers need to be compliant. They need a PNL. They need a balance sheet. Okay. On the blender exercise, it would be the same thing. The customer needs to put food on a on a blender. And have it blended, like so. Like the 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 accounting firm, the accounting firm uh, essentially uh, tries to fix the problem through the tunnel vision that the customer only sees us uh, to a means to an end. Or you put food in a hole, press a button, and it walks out with blended food. In accounting, it's kind of like that. You put a bunch of bank statements into a portal, you press a button, it comes out with a PNL and balance sheet. And the, the idea, I think, the idea is that if we were to destroy the business model and be able to use the same exact exercise, we, are, we, we would no longer just think of like, this is the input, this is the process, as I said, the, this is the output. We think of dimensions like, what's the spiritual, uh, what does this person value spiritually? What does this person value financially? What does this person's lifestyle look like? What are their worries? What is this? What is that? And I never went into this exercise thinking that maybe we would we would we would connect the two worlds, the 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 the, the interconnecting world between the blissful beach loving mother and the blender. What was right in between was sort of the noise, but not just the physical noise, just what noise represents to them, right? The, the lack of stability, the lack of relaxation, and 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 we and we build a, a, an entire narrative around. That the reframing has to be in the noise. So it, it, accounting, there is a there is a version of 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 this noise being the barrier between what we want and what the customers want, and um, and there's also a version of like this always sharpened br- uh, blade. And I think that's that's our task right now is to 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 find that. And I'm going to continue to play with ChatGPT and see what what how it helps me brainstorm, but. Do you guys see any connection to to those things? Yes, I, I was listening to Accounting High yesterday, and Scott had on. Um, you probably know this guy, Hector uh, Mike King, CFO. He's like a fractional. He's got a fractional CFO firm, and he was talking about. And we we've been saying this for years, but it's just the way he said it. He said, you know, he said the problem with regular accounting firms trying to move into advisory is. They're in the box of, oh, you do my taxes. Oh, you do my books. So do you know a good CFO? I need a CFO. I need somebody who's strategic. They just don't think of us that way. You know, this is Tim mm-hmm. Williams. A brand can only stand for one thing. Yep. And and I'm just, I'm just, you talk about reframing, like we tried to do at the blender. And I'm just thinking that we need to reframe from historian to possibility, you know, the from his history to future. The making history or something like that just reframe it and we're 
we don't even emphasize the account AI. So the grand finale on this okay. uh, on this <laughs> Blender and accounting connection through ChatGPT is we asked ChatGPT, hey, make make this a little shorter, and then like kind of start making some similarities between this whole exercise of the whole blend blissful blending to uh, the accounting industry, and this is what it came up with: navigating the financial crescendos. Life's financial complexities can be a cacophony. Tax intricacies, balance sheets, financial challenges, all built into the symphony of stress. Think of our accounting firm, firm as your financial blender. We take the hard, overwhelming bits, and like ice being crushed into a smoothing drink, we transform your financial chaos into clarity. Even number crunched, and I love that part, right? Every number crunched, every tax intricacy solved draws you closer to fiscal quality. Tranquility. Sorry, fiscal tranquility. Yeah. From, from overwhelming seas of numbers to the calm shores of understanding, let our expertise guide your financial journey to clarity. The pathway from chaos to financial paradise starts with us. So I love the, the use of words. This is what ChatGPT is useful oh, for. It's just great with beautiful. words. It's great with it, words. It could come up with a tagline for each option, you know, yeah. like, mm -hmm. it, I mean, yeah, it's incredible. Yeah. So this, this, wow. is what, this, is, this is what I meant by we got to destroy and start from scratch. Because if we, if we just take the current model and tweak and tweak and tweak, we just, start, we just keep creating a nastier, uglier looking Frankenstein. I think yeah, we, no, we have to just, use abstract thought like this. Yes. Th th this, is, this is the essence of strategy. It's well, this and this goes this goes back to, to you know P Peter Block and his his opening conversation with us, Ron. He, he you know where where he said uh, pe people people said, well, you know, I, I start talking about the the philosophy and and all of this stuff. People say, well, I didn't want you to come and talk about philosophy. I wanted you to talk about you know biz business strategy and the the. He says, I thought you wanted change, right? Right. <laughs> I thought you wanted change. <laughs> Philosophy is change. It's change. Right. I mean, it's <laughs> that, that is the change. Definition. It's <laughs> right. frustrating the... change, but it's change. Right. <clears throat> yeah. I, one of the things I tell you, Ron, that, that uh, and both of you guys, that uh, the type of stuff that really makes me think, especially as a, as a bilingual person and the whole concept of translation that we talked about earlier, is when you guys say, we don't even have the language to describe it. And, and I, I've, it, look, I've never thought about things in this dimension, okay? especially because I've always been told I'm a smart person and stuff like that. And the dimension of the way I think, I feel like I, I'm generally sort of right in the way I think. But the one part that I never know, is I never know the words that I don't know to describe how I'm feeling. And just like when I was at QuickBooks Connect and I couldn't, I couldn't speak, I didn't have the language to explain what the experience of being in my version right. of the Super Bowl is like without being able to speak. I didn't have the words. I, didn't, I still don't have the words, but I experienced something just much more different that I never experienced before, which is for the very first time, I had to not say anything. And I'm usually not that, that person. I'm always the one saying the most. And, and I was truly listening to a lot of people and it was, it was amazing. It was, it was just incredible. And, I, I, and I, I, I couldn't no one could explain to me what it was going to be like to be in a place where you're, so many people know, uh, know you and they want to talk to you and you can't say anything. Um, and it, it was something you can only experience. And sometimes um, the, the, the experience is, 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 is needed for you to see the world different. 
But then to be able to share that, to be able to share it, you have to find the words. And, um, and I think that uh, this transformation that our industry is going to go through is going to be also be going to be a discovery and translation of language. Like we, we don't even know what this is going to look like. Our customers don't know what word to use. Like most of our customers don't know what words to use to tell us what they need from us. And I think that's a no. big problem that we have. The only words that we know is PL, balance sheet, profit. You know, and that's it. And, and, and those words are just way too robotic, too abstract, and words that ChatGPT can say and come up with all day long. Yeah, you, you know, two things. When you told that Intuit story about me with the sign language gal, uh, you know, doing my talk, um, reminded me a couple things. One, Deirdre McCloudsky's work on just rhetoric, persuasion, words, narrative, story. You know, she's been trying to get the economists to talk in stories. And she points out that, look, even physicists, you know, the ultimate scientists, they still have to express their shit in words. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You, you know, what they talk, when Stephen Hawking talks to a general audience, he's got to put it into words. Mm-hmm. He can't go to the blackboard and show his equations. So there's that. And then just your point, Hector, about the different words, meaning very different things, but there's only one word in sign language for all three of them. Yeah. It, it just... It, it, it hits home for me, Ed, when we read a foreign book that's been translated, like in the mm. first circle, mm-hmm. how important that translation is oh, and yeah. how completely subjective it is and how it can change the story well, but, if it's but, a crappy translation. Because in, in order, for, in order for, for the people to be able to understand, they, 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 they need to make their own connections, their own interpretations of this. Right. Which, which, by the way, I think is great. Um, a, a great thing that we need to bring with us to the conference is we cannot give like we're not. I don't. We don't have the answers. Okay, and then like no. we can't set the expectation that you're gonna walk out with the answer. People are gonna walk out like not a hundred people are gonna walk out with the most revolutionary business model. I think everybody should 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 interpret this the way it works for them. Hector, please, for the love of God, do not offer CPE. <laughs> you know, I, I didn't put it so so okay, right. So so I, I gotta I gotta so I did not Talk put it on the website. I did not I did not put it on the website. I've gotten three or four emails about it and I say, uh after you're done, I will you know we'll, I'll 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 have you sign a letter and I'll issue CP, but it's not part of the marketing. So like uh so I'm I'm satisfying people like sort of behind the scenes. And this is sort of after they bought it, but it ha- it's not part of the marketing. It's not. It's not driving them to it. Yeah. No. No. I. I don't want that. I, yeah, I don't yeah. want that. I mean, we, we have. We have. Everybody looks like they're. Everyone looks like they're accounting. They're from account uh, accounting world. We have uh, uh, one realtor. Which is, I think it's mm-hmm. going to be very interesting. Yeah, and I'm gonna. I'm very. actually going to try assign that group. I'm going to say, how how would you subscribe to a realtor? Because I'm actually fascinated by like this is an industry that like and run. I think we talked about this maybe four yeah. or five years ago as well. It's just like, I'm fascinated by this. The only, the transaction is the only thing that's valuable, yep. right? And I get it. Like if you don't buy a house, it wasn't worth it. But look, if I don't buy a house this year, but the whole process educated me deeply. And then next year I'm looking for houses in a different point of view. That's transformative. And that's not baked into the in, into it at any point in time. It's all it, it, it's same with funeral parlors, right? It's all transactional. Um, divorce yeah. attorneys. Divorce attorneys. Yeah. Wow. 
Well, Hector, this was great. Thank you so much for doing both hours. Wow. No, yeah. thanks. Thanks for That's having double me. Barred, I, double barreled. I, yeah. And my, I, I got to put my vocal course to rest. I'm going to go. Hope you enjoy that. I will put links in the show notes to the original podcast of the Soul of Enterprise, to the conference, to the avocado video. I will put uh, links to everything in the show notes. And thanks for listening. Goodbye, everyone.